This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And with me today is Hans. Hans, uh, is it raining there? What's going on? What's that noise in the background? I don't know, just a shitty microphone. Just a shitty it's microphone. No, yeah, no more yeah. rain. You thought you were going to be the biggest man in town. You're going to impress the listeners by getting an XLR yep. mic instead of a, a USB yep. Blue Yeti. No, no, no. I sound so much better than you. I hope you feel well, inferior tonight. <laughs> I always do. But listen, I had a Blue Yeti and I dropped it in the middle of a show that we were doing. And that's why it doesn't work anymore. So I'm just, you know, trying to support my Chinese people by buying shitty things that don't work as they're supposed to. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, you know, we have a guest tonight. I don't I know we don't usually do guests, but uh, we have Frank Austin on the show tonight, a, a uh, social media pal. How are you doing? Great, man. I'm doing really good. I'm very excited to talk about these movies. Yes, we, you, well, this show is entirely of your own creation. Well, halfway anyway. <laughs> I don't even remember what the context was, but I think uh, the weatherman got tweeted out on, on, on Twitter or something. Yeah, I, cage, something? I don't know. I put a tweet out about how uh, Weatherman is one of the most underappreciated movies of all time. And uh, you just immediately responded, I wanted a movies <laughs> episode about it. And you were like, all right, but you got to do it. Exactly, because I don't know what I'm going to say about these movies. Really, <laughs> so I don't. I didn't know this movie had a fan, but mm, we were just on a, we were on a call previously, and I guess Hans, did you look up the trailer to The Weatherman? And there was a comment yeah. that was like at the very top, most upvoted, that essentially said that exact thing. That is, uh, oh, it's a very underrated movie. And it, yeah, I mean, the user was Frank. Ed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got me. It's uh, it's such a. It's a time capsule to to early two thousands culture and movies and popular entertainment, um, and, and actually, so is the Family Man, which is going to be the other film we talk about tonight. Because I thought these movies were the same movie for for a good period of time, <laughs> and uh, Nicholas Cage looks the same. He's got the same hairpiece in in both films, um, but they're kind of they do weirdly complement one another in um, that they're just they're kind of opposite. I mean, they're not the same movie, but they feel like uh, they, they somehow intertwine in a lot of the subject matter and um, just taking the opposite approach of, of handling these, these family themes. Um, but The Weatherman, I mean, why, why is this one of your, your more underrated films? Why did this movie catch your attention? And why has it stuck with you after? I mean, this movie is what, 2003? So almost 20 years. Yeah, is it is it two thousand? I think it might be two thousand five. I don't remember off the top of my head, but either way, it's it is such like a perfect time capsule of that period uh, in general. Uh, I also love movies with like one of the things that sort of like sets these movies apart is it has like a very flat ending. Um, like things happen, but like the ending is just sort of like an 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 ongoing flat line, and I love that. Uh, it's it separates it from family man in a lot of ways but like i i think the weatherman is like the perfect 2005 or whatever year it was movie it's just everything that was going on in movies at the time everything that was going on in the world at the time and uh yeah it's just slept on nobody 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 talks about it when they talk about great nick cage performances and it's it's right up there for me I was a little confused by I ended. I, I thought he killed himself, and and that's why he was like on a parade and being like, you know what? I don't have my family, but I'm on a parade, so that's cool. This movie does that... have the, uh, the credit of having one of the rare Al Roker acting appearances. Oh yeah, so, he comes in, he shakes a hand. There's a there's a lot of uh, odd, very dated green screen at the very. Oh, wait, that's end not of the Al movie. Roker. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I watched this movie twice, actually, because I, I was just like so preoccupied the first time. I was like, I, I'm not going to be able to talk about this this movie, The, the Weatherman, unless I actually sit down and watch it. I did again today. Um, and I, it, it's very uh, it's a very peculiar movie. I feel like it's a condemnation on um, on like baby boomers or, or, or maybe late Gen X and their just inability to focus on things that matter. Mm-hmm. Um I do think Nicolas Cage does give a good performance in this. It's one of it's before he starts to get like too crazy in movies, and uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I I think there's some interesting things going on with the characters, and the fact that the son is just being groomed by well, who's that guy? Look like Carl Urban if he was very skinny, if he was sick, if he was ill. Yeah, I it was Matthew Broderick, but I, I guess not. <laughs> Matthew Broderick. It's Ferris Bueller all grown up. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
the the one thing that did bother me though about his character it was that he was such a fucking loser for everything that <laughs> i was just like i can't i can't root for this guy that seems to be incompetent for every little thing in his life that it became kind of parody to me by the end that's why i thought he killed himself at the end because i i thought it would be like an ending of like well like the only thing that got better was my job but uh, I, I don't know a, every single thing that he was trying to get involved with he would fuck up or like every character was there just to bully him or make fun of him like the the scene with the little kids in the elevator was very iconic for me because it's like everyone's just been shitting on him his kids don't really respect him his wife is like marrying this fat older guy that that I don't know if he's more successful than him because we don't really know him outside of him being there always. Uh, and then he goes to the elevator when he gets this job offer or whatever. I don't remember if it was before or after he got the job offer, but he's on that high of like, I might get this job. And then he gets in the elevator and this little kid just go and push every button. They're like, fuck you. And he just stays there, like just <laughs> taking it throughout the whole movie. Uh, like at some point, I just wanted him to fucking, like when he did the uh, arrow thing, I was like, yes do it kill him do something you <laughs> yeah, know but yeah, yeah. but it seems like he was just there to just take shit from everyone until he got that job and then he wasn't in that parade uh so that that was the, the one issue i had with his character that it was difficult for me to root for him because he was just so incompetent for everything that he tried to do because the archery was the only thing that that he was kind of good at really. well, his character gets so absorbed in trying to outperform other people and like be what i think uh, he is expecting everyone to to think of him or like with his father, where his father's the, the the famous novelist or successful novelist. And he's like, well, have you, you know, he's writing his own novel. This is this weatherman who should have like really no interest in that, I guess, other than having a parent uh, who uh, carved a path through that or who doesn't uh, respect him. Right. Well, I don't, I don't know yeah. if I necessarily get the impression he doesn't respect him so much as he's just kind of disappointed. Like Michael Caine, uh, I mean, he doesn't, I don't think there's ever a point where he outwardly does anything that would cross the line in terms of disrespecting his person. It's more just like, why aren't you, why aren't you doing this as a parent? Why are you allowing this? It's more just, you know, like digging holes in, in a lot of his um, skills, I guess, but not in a way that I, I think feels like deliberately insulting. Yeah, it's yeah. more like a. It's more like a. Can you fucking get your shit together? Like with every cup that he gets thrown at him, that he finds one in the car, and he's just like, Jesus fucking Christ, this dumbass. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's not direct disrespect, but it's just like I just yeah disappointed in his weatherman son. The disappointment is based in confusion too. Like with the cups, like <clears throat> he just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand why that stuff keeps happening to his son. Like he's, he's confused about the camel toe. He's confused about the cuffs. He like, he doesn't get any of it. The, the prevailing emotion from dad is like, but why is this happening? Like what, like, and I think it's sort of, um, it's, it's sort of bleak, you know, the, the scene where they sort of like come together in the end, like in, in the parked car is sort of bleak in that, like the only thing he can really offer to to michael kane his father is that he's about to make a substantial salary and like you know he calls it a, a remarkable american achievement and like that's kind of just it is like that's that's as good as it's gonna get is like his kid's gonna make more money and he's gonna die knowing that his kid is making more money and he's probably still confused about like why people hate his son uh this is from the director i think who's it gore verbinski yeah, did he yeah. This? who did Pirates the of the Caribbean guy? Right. Yeah. So this is, I mean that that feels more. Well, I mean he's like a big commercial director for for that decade, mm -hmm. and I think he's very like confined to that decade. Has he done anything since since like uh, the 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 odds Hans? I'll check. All right, you you check. Because uh, the Pirates movie started before this too, so he had already made like a ton of money with the first Pirates of the Caribbean when this came out. That, yeah, that makes this all the more an interesting uh, career turn, I guess, for him. Because that first one was, what, 2003 or so? So that was a big, uh, I guess, cultural moment for, for movies. Is Disney having, like, a live-action success for the first time? And, well, I guess since, like, Tim Allen had those. I don't know if Jungle to Jungle was a big hit. I would assume so. <laughs> I would have went to see that. Oh, wow. But, what, what, what do we find well, out? So he directed the remake of The Ring, the American... Uh, remake right that's what i know him from 
he directed uh, the Frogs commercial, like the Budweiser Frogs commercial from the 90s. Okay, so we're citing his <laughs> Budweiser commercial work. <laughs> yeah. And then more recently, uh, his last two movies are uh, The Lone Ranger uh, and uh, Cure for Wellness. Oh, Cure for Wellness. That was a flop. That was a huge bomb. Dane DeHane has no career now because of yeah. that and probably other things. What year was that? Uh, 2016. 2016. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I'll, I'm gonna, I'll take the Quentin Tarantino take that Lone Ranger is not a bad movie. I enjoyed that movie. I got roped into seeing it in theaters with an ex-girlfriend's parents who were very old, and I guess fans of the Lone Ranger when it was on TV. I thought it was all right. Um, I, I don't know, but uh, what? I mean, what are your thoughts on Nicolas Cage as an actor? I guess specifically in this decade of his career, Frank. Um, I, this is when I sort of started to pay a lot more attention to him, especially after Weatherman. I remember really turning after I'd saw, after I saw Weatherman, I did not see Family Man when it came out. Um, and it's the, I think it's the earlier of the two by a couple years. Um, yeah, yeah, I I didn't see it when it came out. So, uh, Weatherman really kind of like changed my opinion of him. Um, I, you know, you're talking about how he doesn't quite freak out as much as like he does in later years. And like the freak out in this movie is that scene where he chases the guy with the pie in his hand. And he just, he's just sort of like running very awkwardly, like holding a McDonald's pie out in his hand. Like I have to see my kids. And I remember seeing that and just being like, this guy's a fucking genius. Like, (laughs) cause like, that's how, like, you know, there's there's this recurring theme in this movie and like uh, with the, his freakouts with like how he confronts the pedophile or whatever where it's not quite triumphant yeah he like beats the shit out of this guy imagine like that being the triumph of like some dude who's been grooming your kid you just like punch him a couple times and then you walk away right like this movie was definitely made in like the aughts and not yeah, yeah. now <laughs> like now it would be full-blown like uh you were never here like taking a hammer to his skull uh, but I just, I love the level that he freaks out at. Cause that's what happens in those situations. No one does that shit, right? No one does anything cool. When someone throws a pie at you, you run down the street, holding it out in your hand. Like I got to do something with this, but I don't know what that. Yeah. That that's actually a good point. Something I really like, uh, in movies that is not often explored. It's just like the sloppy kind of pathetic fight, which is, I think always more true to reality than, uh, you know, the cool guy who has his certain moves and he can pull it out at any moment and he's going to ruin you, mm-hmm. you know, just because he's the protagonist. We expect that of him mm-hmm. um, in this movie. Yeah. Seeing him kind of like just I wouldn't say wimpily, but, uh, you know, he doesn't do his worst on that on that pedo. And he definitely could have uh, and would have called for it. Um, but just kind of yelling at him more than even fighting him or, or punching him. Yeah. that I mean, I, I uh, yeah, I do like that about this. Yeah, and the, like you know, he warms up for it by doing the world's worst shadow boxing in a parking lot, yeah. like a hundred percent exactly what that dude would do. And like, like when he reads from his novel, it's one of the most pathetic things, and it's so fucking accurate. You know, like not like no one who does anything like that writes anything better than if I can just smuggle this fucking plutonium out of the country. We, if you've ever <laughs> written anything, that's the thing you've written first for sure. Uh, this movie, I would also say uh, succumbs to a popular trope that I think uh, crystallizes in the tens, which is that like, no matter how nasty your wife gets, you're the bad guy. Um, cause she is just as, look, he's, he's not a good husband or a good father. Clearly he's very checked out, but she is equally bad. In my opinion, she's very difficult and just uh, rude, very impolite wife. Uh, like if you had Deborah from everybody loves Raymond, but like a more aggressive version of her, uh, and her, her interest in that slobby man, just sudden proposal <sighs> and it's going to happen. Like th- th- this woman is terrible. Uh, but you know, we, we, I mean, I guess I think the movie ultimately comes on the side of, of her in that exchange because, I mean, just because we see how disconnected from his family he actually is throughout the mm-hmm. movie. I, I thought that the trope you were going to talk about is how uh, in early 2000s, um, men are in love with middle-aged white women with thin lips. <laughs> because if you look at the family man, you have a, oh, what's his yeah. name? Tia, Ta- Tia Leone. And, uh, Feel, oh, God, what a dated face. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and and he's this 
the most successful man in New York, he's like, you know what? I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll give it all up for this plain, thin lip woman. How about Jeremy Piven lecturing him at the bowling alley? Like every, every guy in town would give his left nut to be with her. Which is insane when like um, the the woman that like is trying to like get his attention. Lisa Thornhill is the actress's name. An absolute New Jersey dime. Just like that woman is killing it in every bowling alley in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that's something that I noticed as soon as I started watching, because I watched them pretty much back to back. Uh, I started watching the, the Family Man uh, last week and I was just not in the mood to, to watch it. Uh, so, so then uh, today I just watched them back to back. And, and that was the thing that I, I forgot about the early 2000s that... Uh, women were so plain and so just for plain looking and they didn't really have that much personality but they were always presented as like this thing that the the, the main character needs to aspire and like the the biggest achievement is get this plain boring woman i mean i can i can make the argument that in weatherman that's almost sort of it's almost intentional right like she she never has crazy makeup on they never try to make her look hot and like what he's really aspiring to there is like the family life that he's lost and she's her she's presented as as that you know like the scene you know the scene where they argue about the fucking tartar sauce is dark that is that is i can't between that and like when he wakes up in the family man and there's just like kids screaming and everything like i don't know which one which outcome is worse like both of these movies present like your average family life as hell on earth and they both do a really good job of it uh with the family man i I was you know that i think exemplifies 2000s culture a little bit better because you also have like don Cheadle really hamming it up and i guess he's what like this i mean the family man is essentially a remake of it's a wonderful life but it's the reverse version of that it's oh here's the family you could have had as opposed to the the family you're you're not appreciative of um and uh it, it, to to see him kind of like thug it up in the beginning it's kind of it was very uh. cringe it was really bad <laughs> he, like, he, um, thugs you. It, <laughs> he thugs you it up here. He thugs it up, and the dude behind the counter does like the worst Asian accent. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I I like I tried to figure out whether or not I had the guts to like do it while I was being recorded. <laughs> I don't. I, I fully don't. It's I don't know. Dark. I think it was it was very accurate. I think <laughs> when it comes to, to a bodega, that's pretty much what they sound like. He was he was like if you ever watched like a Nissan commercial that tried to be urban in two thousand two. <laughs> That's like Don Cheadle's character in this movie, um, and yeah, like this the, was the, right after right after Traffic too, you know. Was oh yeah 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 like Don Cheadle was famous at that time. He was popular. Like he didn't anyway. Yeah, and the the I guess it was like a Korean grocery store, convenience store or something. It felt very like if you ever watch a Joel Schumacher film from the '90s or any really Warner Brothers film from that period, they will have the actors deliver the most like fresh off the boat accent possible, even if they're completely fluent. It's uh, Long Duck Dong in every single movie. <laughs> and that's what we had here too. Ugh. Yeah, that... yeah the, the, the whole ham, is, uh, Don Cheadle is like the, the little what angel character, like the little voice of reason. Clarence, thing. he's Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life. His name is Cash though. Oh yeah, that's oh, how you know. And he, he gives him a bell, right? Which is another reference to It's a Wonderful Life. Cause... But it's also got like Scrooge stuff. It's very, it's very like yeah. Scrooged too. Um, you know, he's like the Scrooged character. It's just a Christmas mashup nightmare, basically. I don't think it's a bad Christmas movie necessarily. Certainly compared to a lot of Hallmark Channel uh, fare. <laughs> but uh, Hans, you were gonna say something? Uh, yeah, I, um, I don't know. I guess I, I just have a uh, a hard time. Uh, uh, if you see it as like a family Christmas movie, fine. But I don't know. A lot of the things that happen in this movie, it's just at the end of the day, he's like basing his entire life or changing it for a uh, vision he had of a family he might have where he's poor and he's hanging out with all these shitheads. And it's like, yeah, that's, you know what? All of this uh, luxury and, and money and success that I have, fuck it. I'll just go and, and live with this woman in this shitty town. But then at the end, she's living to 
friends, right? She's leaving for Europe. Right. Hold on. So hold on. Let's let's pause real quick. What was the triggering incident? Was it just Don Cheadle approaching him in the yeah. in the convenience store, yeah. and then somehow he winds up in this new timeline, and it, yep. we, we don't have any explanation for that? Okay. So I, I guess it, all right. Sorry, Hans, continue your, your point here. Yeah, she's going to move to France at the end of the movie. There's no kids. There's like there's so much work that would have to be put into creating that life. If you, you know what it feels like? It feels very like Twin Peaks season three with like Nicolas Cage's the Dougie character. Frank, I don't know, I don't know if you saw that. But... I haven't watched it yet. I keep meaning to and just like it just slips down my list. It's I rewatched that recently. Um and I I remember watching it in the moment I was kind of dissatisfied about halfway through of the, like the 17 hours until I figured out what David Lynch was, was doing and what we were really in for, which was initially my worst fear, which is like, well, you're not going to get anything you wanted in, if from a Twin Peaks revival, but it's a, it's so fucking funny. Twin Peaks season three, you should definitely check that out. But it felt like, like that where he's trying to like get back to himself. Uh, Hans, you didn't watch Twin Peaks season three, did you? No. Or any Twin Peaks. No, I, that's an, just like uh, Frank here, I uh, it's something that I've been meaning to watch for like the past twenty years, and I've just never started it. Really, yeah, you have no taste though, so that doesn't. Surprise <laughs> me. Uh, but 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 my point with this movie is that uh, well, with Family Man, uh, Family Guy, uh, with Family Man is that um, so he has this vision, right? And then one day he just wakes up back in his uh, skyscraper apartment, and he's like, "I'm gonna go find this woman and and get married." With her because i want to move to aspen is it or wherever it is that that she she lives with with this uh made-up family but she's not that person so she's going to france because she's very successful so that family might not even happen that life is not going to happen because they both have a shitload of money so then at the end they okay we get together but nothing that we saw for the hour and a half matters because it's not going to happen they're not going to just uh scale it down all the way like if they were poor all of a sudden just because you know that's that's a nice thought to have and then at the end you know she's leaving for europe so she's successful and doesn't it didn't make sense to me even as a christmas movie we're supposed to suspend this belief what was the point like what was the message there uh, force the woman in the relationship to make all the sacrifices (laughs) you go have a nice successful career you move uh when it's time for her to do that no you stop her and you get what you wanted to begin with that's 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 the lesson of this movie yeah the lesson is uh you both have to be rich before you can be together otherwise you're gonna end up in hell that's right um I, i i mean did you guys think that family man was a pile of shit because I'll tell you what I thought it was uh, not a good movie, but I, I I think I maybe enjoyed it. I don't know. If so, I confession I love Christmas movies. I I like Christmas movies are definitely a thing. Like I watch a lot of Christmas movies every year. I would watch this again. Like it, it's I wouldn't watch it every year. It's not like a classic, but it's nick cage is fucking shredded the scene where he like wakes up he's like this is like one of the best cage bodies you're gonna get throughout his entire career and that's i mean good on him man. well he he never takes his shirt off right no he, <laughs> he does yeah. he does pretty early oh, on and, like he has like no, no, one... but I mean, on, on everything else oh, like he's yeah, always yeah. wearing like a coat or a jacket i was thinking maybe he goes writer but no he's always wearing like a big jacket so because he, he never, never looked as his... good ever again he, he, this, right. he, this is the peak physical cage uh and he's he has like great freakouts in this like his freakouts in this are really good uh they're they're tuned up from like what you see in weatherman even though it comes earlier uh he's he's worth watching this movie for i feel like Leone is awful like i it's it, i don't know i don't know what that's about but uh he's worth watching the movie for i feel like I think from like the mid nineties onward, you had four or five Taya Leones. Like I get her confused with like Maura Savino and, and all these. Maura Savino. Yeah. Maura. 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 No, no, Maura <laughs> Turney. That's another actress. Oh yeah. I was combined. Helen Hunt. Yeah. Helen I, mean, I think one. Helen Hunt had a little, you know, she was more tomboyish, you know, 40 year old tomboy. You know, she had something there. Like she was able to be like an interesting character in James L. Brooks films. But I yeah, no, I wouldn't put Helen Hunt. She's not even that good. Meg Ryan. 
What about Meg Ryan? She, well, or she's like, she's uh, like the prime example of that. Everybody else is just an offshoot where where you can't Kate afford Hudson? Meg Ryan. Yeah, mm, no, she's a little goofy. She's uh, you know, she probably looks like she she smokes pot. You know, <laughs> probably isn't that smart. Um, yeah. So I I really found Jeremy Piven obnoxious in this movie. Also, this is pre. I think this is pre Entourage. Jeremy Piven, where he's still trying to figure out what his like famous person character is going to be, kind of like when he was on Seinfeld and he was just like really, really uh, unattractive, horseshoe rimmed uh, head. You know, I don't know. He still has to figure out his hairpiece in this one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He needed Nicolas Cage's hairpiece in this. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. A thing I think that this movie does actually really well and like sort of is, is easy to miss is it has a lot of like craft. They'd go really hard on the sets um, and the decoration in this movie. And like, it's good. The The woman who did it, I forget her name. I ended up looking it up because I was like, oh, I would never noticed like, you know, like the Big Ed's tires with like the painted sign outside and stuff and like all the right. like merch they have for it. I thought it was really cool. And that woman actually ended up doing like she ended up being the set decorator for uh, the MCU. Like she did Infinity War and Endgame later on. Um, she died last year. Uh, but like before that, she ended up, her career like went crazy after this. Um, and like, I remember just watching all these scenes like, wow, they actually like his office at Big Ed's has all these drawings and all the faked photos and stuff. We're all really good. Uh, and turns out this woman was pretty good at what she did, at least good enough to get paid. I, I'm sorry. Amongst all that, what I noticed was uh, when you when you said, "Oh, she died." Hans was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Dead bitch." That always gets me when people die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I actually I noticed the the the, the craft that was put into uh, uh, the sign anyway uh, for Big Ed. I mean that that just goes to show how much effort was put into like a mid budget film. Uh, 20 years ago that just had like a general audience where you didn't need to do that. And now everything like that is just handled in post where it's just somebody cutting up something in Photoshop and we're going to just paste that on whatever the frame is and it's not going to matter. Uh, yeah. People don't, people don't really pay too much attention to, to that sort of detail when it comes to these uh, types of movies anymore. Yeah, and it's a huge bummer. I mean, like every, every set in this movie has something good. You know, when he wakes up in his apartment, he has all these like kind of like high class, sexy photos of like weird sections of women's bodies and stuff. And like, you know, it sets a scene versus like the dumb kid drawings he has all over his office at big ads and everything else. Like they do good work. And like, you're right. Like it's, it's so it's, it's really nice actually to watch a mid budget movie like this from a certain era and like see all that stuff in there versus like something that's just where everything is green screened. All the extras are green screened. Everything is like, you know, just put in after the fact. Yeah. The, uh, what, what is it? Like there's a famous meme right now from the, I was a black widow film where it's, uh, who's Jerry's favorite Hans. Florence, Florence Pugh, yeah, Florence Pugh. He loves uh, her feet for some reason. He's a real pervert, (laughs) real sicko. Uh, Anyway, there's a shot of her just sitting in like you could have shot that so easily in a diner, but they just filled it in with with green screen with uh, chroma key. So like there's no desire to even put people in a real location anymore. It sucks. It's very depressing. And I think all these things culminate into building a character for the piece of art that you're you're watching. And you can see that shine through even with something that would otherwise, I think if Nicolas Cage was not in this movie, be boring and very forgettable uh, with a movie like The Family Man. So I guess what you guys are saying is that Brett Ratner should get more work in Hollywood. Is that <laughs> it? That's what I'm getting from this? Yeah, that's it exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's not the I'm worst. I'm looking at what he was doing around that time and uh, Rush Hour 2, Red Dragon. So I mean, eh, good, good. I guess he's doing a bunch of Mariah Carey videos. Good for him. You know, good for I, him. I, I take that back. I, I really don't like the Red Dragon movie. <laughs> um, and Rush, Rush Hour Two is what it is. I actually, I think Rush Hour, uh, the first one, is is still pretty good. Holds up pretty well. It's I haven't great. seen the third one, um, or Tower Heist for that for that matter. I know that was another big one when he got caught dropping certain words. 
that he shouldn't have been dropping on, on a on a set of the Oscars or wherever Whoops. he was going to be directing. Big loops. Uh, yeah. Uh, Danny Elfman also did the music for this one. No That's surprise right. since it's a Christmas movie, but it's the only time those two work together. Uh, and the music is actually pretty good too. Like, you know, it's a Christmas movie, but it's it's decent. Yeah, uh, Hans Zimmer did The Weatherman, didn't he? Ooh, I didn't look. I feel like I definitely, maybe I was watching some other movie, but I definitely saw Hans Zimmer's name at some point in the past 48 hours. I think it was The <laughs> Weatherman. Um, yeah, I, the, these movies definitely uh, did not need the composers that they they had. I mean, not 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 to speak to the quality of the movies, but just like it didn't call for like such iconic uh, musicians to to helm the score of these films. Uh, but it is, I think, uh, something that does certainly elevate uh, both films. I, I do want to get back to Nicolas Cage, the actor, uh, during this period of time, because I think a lot of what his reputation has become is because of this decade of film uh, where... I don't know if these movies performed well. I feel like I saw that the family man, maybe not the family, maybe the weatherman uh, was a flop and did not get uh, or, or did not make its budget back. And I think he, I mean, he starts to lose these lead actor roles in what we'll consider like medium quality, big budget films around 2005, 2006, uh, which is when you start to see him take on more, we'll call it uh, adventurous films, a little more direct-to-video films, maybe working on uh, Bangkok Dangerous or The Dying of the Light. Well, The Wicker Man is... Look, The Wicker Man was a a real movie, okay? That had a real budget behind it. That had Ellen Burstyn, I believe. And it just didn't come together. It was a big, big piece of shit. And that's... that's It's hilarious, though. It's so much fun. That's what turned the corner... on his career. Big, I big actually, shit. I haven't seen the Wicker Man remake. Yeah, it's great. It's great for the wrong reasons. You know, it's it's great to enjoy as not a serious movie. And it's great to see as just like a an unhinged uh, Nicolas Cage performance where he's, I don't know if it was the first time or one of the first times that he was working with like digital effects, but he doesn't know how to act when something is not there. So there's that famous scene oh, yeah, with the, the bees. bees, right? Yeah, that's what I'm suffering yeah. right now. I got an <laughs> infestation of bees in this basement. I was telling Hans about this before. I'm at my mom's place currently in, in Brockton, Massachusetts. And the last time I crashed here, it was a, there was a massive spider problem. There were just huge spiders coming out of the wall. It was driving me nuts. I was nope. like, oh, geez. Uh, I really hope there's not spiders when I come back. And uh, there's no spiders, but there's bees just everywhere in the basement. Uh, I kill like seven bees a day down here. It's terrible. Uh, so anyway, to, that's... To ahead. your point, around that time, uh, he did Next... Uh, I don't know if you remember Next. I don't remember. Where that. he's a magician from Las Vegas who can see into the future. Uh, he did, well, National Treasure. Oh, the, the National sequel. Treasure films, yes. Then you got Bangkok Dangerous, Knowing, which I, the first time I ever see that movie. No, uh, Bad knowing, oh, Bad Lieutenant, Port of, Port of Call in New Orleans. Have you ever seen that, Frank? I have. Uh, right when it came out. Love it. Yeah, yeah. I should have added that to this one. That 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 could be its own episode. These two movies. For sure. I don't know if I don't know if we could sustain a full conversation about one of these movies for one episode. <laughs> so it's good we have both of them. But Bad Lieutenant, both Bad Lieutenant films, I'm a tremendous fan of. I really love Abel Ferrer and uh, Werner Herzog. Werner. More yeah. Werner as a man than as a filmmaker. Person, I just find him very amusing. His interviews are always great. Um, and I also just watched Val recently. Val mm. Kilmer's in Port of Call, uh, New Orleans, and that's that's a that's a pretty good recommendation for for 2021 films. Maybe we can get into Pig in a little bit if you've seen that. Um, and what the documentary? Yes, uh, it's yeah. an Amazon documentary about Val Kilmer's rise and fall, and it uh, out transition in, in transition into an old woman. Yeah. <laughs> this is what he looks like now. He does look like an old grandma, like an old Native yeah. American grandma now. Uh, but yes, and it also strategically leaves out a lot of like him being a prick on on the set of these movies. They show a little bit of it with him uh, on the island of Doctor Moreau, where he's like, you know, fucking with the director. But like, there's a famous story from the documentary on Richard Stanley, where he's just like going up to crew members and burning their earlobe with a lighter. What because the he fuck? Because he's Batman. <laughs> because he, he can do anything. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
um, I, around this time, I think this is the the stream of movies that you were that you meant because you have uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, Season of the Witch, Drive Angry, Seeking Justice, uh, Ghost Rider Two. Uh, well, we got Joe there, which is no fine. Joe, Joe is like the first step in him trying to regain his credibility as an actor because Wicker Man comes out, and all of a sudden, there's Nicolas Cage memes everywhere with him and the bees, and the gifts are 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 on every message board. And then you have the, uh, I think it was Vampire's Kiss, where he looks like very manic. His eyes are wide open, his eyebrows are raised. That becomes a meme as well. And people are like, "Yeah, Nicolas Cage is not a good actor, huh?" Even though he had won Best Actor for some movie in the, the late 90s. He's got some very good 90s films, even late mm-hmm. 90s films. Uh, uh, an underrated one is Bring Out the Dead, which uh, is Martin what, Scorsese, Paul Schrader. Another, another one of my favorites of his. Like it's uh, That movie is so good. It's so underrated now. At the time, I remember like there was sort of like a, a, a wave of po- positive criticism around it. Some people really didn't like it, but some people really stood up for it. But I fucking love that movie. The soundtrack kicks ass. Oh yeah, uh, it's it's a great movie. It it definitely I think has uh, some hallmarks to it that feel very '90s. Like if you watch a Spike Lee film from the late night, like Summer of Sam, or or any of those uh, types of movies. Uh, but I, I I mean I don't see those as flaws. I think people might have seen them as flaws 15 or 10 years ago uh, when revisiting, just because it's a little too recent. But I I think it it really is an interesting. Uh, piece of work from from those two uh filmmakers schrader and uh, scorsese and nicholas cage's performance is uh, terrific in that movie um well, he definitely drives face off too right that movie, travolta is so bad in face off and he is the perfect amount of over the top and crazy I, that i'm so excited for face off two to happen uh, with <laughs> both of those guys now they they're they're a perfect pairing yes uh, I know there were not originally plans to have either of them in the movie. I think they were just going to do face off in name only. It was going to be Adam Wingard and they were going to tread out the concept again. But Nicholas Cage had some interview for pig where he's on the red carpet. And one of the reporters asked him, have you been contacted? Are you going to bring back your Castro Troy character? And I believe he said he, he was doing that. And he was excited. He wanted to work with Travolta again. He was excited to. Okay. Well, it's not John Woo though, right? No, it's Wingard. It's oh. Adam Wingard. He, oh, by the way, he won uh, Best Actor in the leading role for Leaving Las Vegas. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what are your thoughts on John Travolta, Frank? Are you a Travolta fan at all? Um, Battlefield Earth, best performance. Uh, uh, I don't I mean, I don't have complicated thoughts or feelings about John Travolta. I loved Face Off at the time uh, because of Nicolas Cage specifically. You know, Travolta sort of sleeps through it. Um, I haven't seen anything. I mean, I know that like Travolta is still working and doing weird shit now sometimes, but I haven't seen anything. In a very that's, long. that's a great thing to always say about an actor. I mean, I've I've heard he's working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fanatic is pretty great. I, I enjoy that one. The fa- well, the fanatic. Yeah, that's uh. I mean, that's sure. a great performance from him in a humorous way, I guess. And Fred Durst is maybe. I'll I'll give Fred Durst credit for being creative with what felt like an unfinished movie. Like he he figures out a way to fill in the gaps in a way that uh, is clear that you know the, there was a problem here where he couldn't just go, get it all in one go. Uh, but I think there's there's something uh, uh, there's a little bit of substance to that, or it adds character to the movie. And yeah, I mean Travolta gets cast in a lot of movies that feel like they're intended for somebody like Nicolas Cage, who has more range and can act up on film. Uh, and he doesn't have that energy. He's just a slow, fat old man. And so he tries <laughs> to do that, and it becomes all the more amusing, in my opinion, anyway. I really enjoyed him in The People vs. OJ, where they gave him oh, yeah. fake Botox. Oh. He was great yeah. in that. Um, what, it was Kardashian there, right? For who no, 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 no. That was Ross from Friends. Oh, right. He was another was... attorney. John, no, oh, Gotti. I, we forgot about oh, yeah, Gotti. Of course, Gotti. Forgot about Gotti. I think Gotti was the last thing I saw him in, twenty eighteen. I think he's. Uh, do, do either of you know what uh, Die Hard with Kevin Hart? Oh yeah, yeah. I came across this. This was a Quibi original, I believe it was. Ooh. 
Oh, uh, you have some intel about old dogs, right, Loris? Oh, right. Yeah, old dogs. Have you ever seen old dogs? I think he's in old dogs and wild hogs. He is in wild yeah. hogs. I didn't see old dogs. Old dogs was supposed to be, uh, I think it was originally supposed to be a sequel. Or uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, but the, the story on old dogs was that they filmed an R-rated comedy with Travolta and Robin Williams, who were both definitely down on their luck during that time. And then, like, reworked it because Touchstone Pictures went out of business. They reworked it into a Disney film. So they just, like, added a bunch of kid jokes and cut out, like, a third of the movie and then threw in a, a dog. They just threw in a dog for, so the title could make sense. They named it Old Dogs because Wild Hogs, I guess, was a b- box office success. That's another Tim Allen vehicle, another Tim Allen Disney vehicle. <laughs> it was a success, that movie, Wild Hogs? I Hunt? believe so. People showed up for Tim Allen and William H. Macy and Martin Lawrence and John Travolta. Well, we used to. I don't think so much, right, anymore. Well, I mean, it, I mean look, you can't even compare this, this film climate and that film climate. It's just so different now. I think if you cast them as like the Avengers, maybe people show up, but. Uh, did either of you guys see that 2004 Punisher that he's in? Oh, Tom, yes. Is that the one with I Tom Jane? That. Yes. Is it the one with who? It's Thomas Jane. Tom Jane? The Punisher. Yeah. Jane, I'm dying over here. Um, yeah. Thomas Jane is the Punisher and he plays, I forget the character's name, but he's the bad guy of the film. And he's got that hairpiece from Swordfish the Hugh Jackman movie during that time too, where it's just long and it's like sharp on the edges. He, uh, you know, he likes to get adventurous with the hair pieces. I'll give him credit for that. And that's a movie that I feel also like the family man to just tie it back to that. And the weatherman is very of that era where you just have like stained playing in the background or, uh, uh, disturbed on the soundtrack. It's I, I ironically, checked out that movie and its soundtrack and i've been listening to all those old like new metal bands uh from that period ever since non-ironically which is Uh, yeah great you you got to that age already you know i went through it too when i was your age (laughs) just a a re rediscovery of everything that i listened to when i was an angsty teenager I well, might be dating myself by saying that it was always the Spawn soundtrack, and more oh, importantly, dude, yes. yes, and most importantly, the Judgment Night soundtrack, which to this day is the best movie soundtrack of all time. That Spawn soundtrack, where you had like Marilyn Manson and just all all these like late '90s bands, that is a, that is a good one. I downloaded that also recently before I before I checked out The Punisher, but all the comic book films from that period when it when it, they would license other people's music it was usually pretty good uh what do you what do you make of that punisher movie i didn't you have something to say about punisher warzone on twitter also that was one i think warzone is really good like i think warzone's great uh yeah i it's um oh, what's the name of the i slipped blanking on the guy's name who plays frank castle in that one um the uh, dude who plays Ray stevenson yeah Ray right. stevenson that's it titus polo uh he's awesome as the punisher i would have loved to have seen them continue with him for a while and like um even though the movie itself isn't like spectacular in any way i thought he did such a good job and they did such a good job of like punisher style violence um you know i i I love warzone it was very early comic book movie uh non-comic book movie universe where they were still willing to take risks and just go all out uh, because the violence in it is very graphic, uh, which you don't really see uh, for <clears throat> for those type of movies now, unless you watch the, I guess, Punisher Netflix series. But uh, yeah, that's that's one of the things that, that I really like about that movie, that it's actually fun. Like, it's a comic book movie that you have fun with, uh, which seems to not happen anymore since they started building all these universes where everything has to be the same tone and the same thing. That one feels like a uh, also like a uh, time capsule of that time where... You know, same with the Spider-Man movies, where you were able to drift off a little bit from what the the line is supposed to be, and and just make them fun. Uh, and that one, I, I know, like you said, it's not it's not an amazing story or, or or anything amazing that happens, but it's it's just fun, and it's just like what a what a Tim Burton did with the Batman movies, where it's just you know this is for the fans and the audience, and let's just have fun with it instead of muting it and just making it very one tone like the modern comic book movie 
that that movie Punisher Warzone uh, made great use of lighting and uh, backdrops also that felt very uh, I think it, it set it apart from a lot of the movies during that time where you were either trying to do what Christopher Nolan was doing, which was a very uh, stripped down, dark, gritty. Uh, we're just going to use whatever city we've got, I guess, Chicago or New York. Uh, and and play that verbatim and make it as realistic as possible. This movie goes in the exact opposite direction of that and tries to be uh, like a cartoonish comic book film that is still violent and meant to be taken seriously enough where there's uh, certainly some stakes involved that, that matter. And that's something that they've also gotten away from and ultimately why I checked out, which is that there's no consequences for any of the characters in those types of movies from that period onward. Um, and I, 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 you know, the direction I think is, uh, is kind of fun for that movie. It feels like a very dark version of Batman Forever or something along those lines. And then I checked out the Netflix Punisher show, and I think that first season is good. And I'm midway through the second season, and I'm not very happy with it so far. Yeah, that's where I land on it too. I love, the, I love the first season of that. I, it's, it's, it, it sort of does the same thing that Warzone does, where it like understands what fans of the Punisher want and it gives it to them. You know, like it's not about um, the the MCU sucks for so many reasons, but like one of them being that like every single character in it has to fit the Iron Man mold. They all have to be sort of like sarcastic. They all have to speak exactly the same cadence. They all have to have the same like incredibly limp Joss Whedon sense of humor and like what Warzone and the Netflix Netflix Punisher do is it gives you what you want out of that character instead of you know just turning them all into the same guy this the Punisher has like a very strong unique identity and it's not afraid to actually tell that story as opposed to making it a property I was really disappointed with what they did with Jigsaw also especially compared to Warzone where they just mash up uh, the, that guy from the wire's face, and he looks ridiculous. Dominic West. Dominic yeah. West. Uh, and he really hams it up in that movie. Um, same with the, uh, what's his name? Percy from the Green Mile, who's his, like, mm-hmm. his retarded brother, oh, yeah. his pervert brother. And he had, he had yeah. a reality show for being married to, like, a 15-year-old girl or something in real Oof. life. That guy. Yeah, well... Anyway, uh, well, the uh, Jigsaw character in that Punisher Netflix show, it's like this is a good looking guy. So you want to show his face, I guess. And it's just like one little scar or he wears like a, like a Mexican mask or something. I don't know. They really didn't put any effort into that. They didn't want to make him look creepy at all. It was just very, it felt very pretty boyish. Well, what they did with those shows too, Netflix, it started really well because I still think that those uh, three Daredevil uh, seasons work really when I, I really liked them when they came out. Uh, even like I even got my dad hooked into it, who's not into any type of superhero or anything, just because the violence and the way that it was shot was so good. It had it like its own uh, style. Like it, 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 there was nothing uh, that I can think of that looked like that, especially uh, superhero or comic book uh, genre at the time. Uh, but then as they started building that universe, just like the MCU and, and I'm going to say a CW because they all suck. But, you know, when, when they, once they started thinking about, well, now we're going to do the Defenders and now we have to do this character. But this character is culturally appropriating something. So there's going to be a little bit of it. So everything just got watered down. And if you go back to watching those three seasons of Daredevil, they feel like something completely different from everything that came after and also completely different from the movies that the superhero movies that come out because again they have a very distinctive visual style and the character has uh like there's repercussions for what happens to him and what he does like his actions mean something he's not just he's always safe and you know nothing happens to this blind man that is learning how to fight you know yeah, I mean, I was just going to say that ties it back into what you were saying. Like, there's stakes in those seasons of Daredevil. Like, he spends large chunks of time injured and in pain. And, like, that never happens, really, in the MCU unless it's, like, some cosmic force that's, like, strong enough to topple these, like, demigods, basically. Yeah, I'm going to be the stick in the mud and say that Daredevil show sucked. I didn't like that at all. <laughs> I thought it was very lame that they didn't give him his outfit for the first season. I actually, listen... I've said this before, and I'm going to stick to it. I really enjoy that Ben Affleck Daredevil from 2003. That was the first movie I ever saw oh, in theaters twice. And uh, the director, no, that can't, Coolio. that can't be true. That it's can't true. be. It's the truth. It's the truth. 
you never got dragged to like some Disney movie when you were a kid, like a couple of times just to make this not true. No, no. I I mean, I didn't really go to, I didn't go to the theater a whole lot in my, uh, in my youth uh, because I, I I live so far away from the nearest movie theater. I went to go see the Flintstones in 1994. That was the first movie I had, I had ever seen. And I, was that the one where Rosie O'Donnell was supposed to be the hot neighbor? Yeah, 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 yeah nice. yes, that's right. She was married to a man. I think that was Rick Moranis, wasn't it? Who played Barney and Kyle McLaughlin is the bad guy. That's kind of cool. And uh, movie uh, Halle, movie. Halle Berry was like the yeah. the bad the bad girl of yes, the movie. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, I grew up around the corner from like a good independent movie theater, literally like just down the block. So I'm I saw tons of movies multiple your first times. Movie just was Straw Dogs. Dutch yeah, it was Straw Dogs. I was <laughs> I was real young, just watching an on screen. Uh, just my first rape scene in cinema. Just, yeah, just Clockwork Orange. My seat, That's terrified. Went to see Clockwork Orange with my grandmother because she didn't know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did what are you see Tromeo, say? And, Tromeo and Juliet, not knowing what it was when I was young, and I was just like, "What is this? <laughs> was that, that an exploding gun? penis?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's early James Gunn. Yeah, I think like I think my my first uh, uh, venture into not knowing what I was getting into might have been the Spawn TV show for HBO because I was I was a young I was a young lad who went to the video store. And I was like, wait a minute, Spawn has a cartoon. This is going to be great. I think I was like eight or, or seven, and I I got you know they used to release two versions. You could get the PG thirteen version, and that had a red cover. And then the R-rated version, because they would just mash all the episodes into a movie, was the green holographic covers. That's the cool-looking one. And uh, I got that one, and I remember taking it home, and it was just like cartoon characters having sex and breasts and this and that. I was just, I was sweating because my, you know, it was a small apartment. My mom's in like the other room or whatever. It was a very stressful time watching that Spawn TV show when you're seven years old. But very confused by your hard <laughs> pee <pee-pee. laughs> yeah, Of course. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, that, so I, I'm just I'm waiting for you to defend Electra next. I'm I know. I look. I haven't even watched Electra in full. I've seen like wolves or something that turn into people, and I'm I'm checked out on that. I think that Daredevil movie is good and deserves more credit. I think the soundtrack is also great and very early 2000s with Evanescence. <laughs> And, uh, it, you know, Coolio in the director's cut gives one hell of a performance coming off his win from Celebrity Boot Camp. Yeah, no, I disagree with that 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that fucking movie. I know you've, you've made me warm up to Zack Snyder a little bit, but fuck that movie. 100%. That's not Zack Snyder. That's, that's, I think no, that's I the know. guy who did... He's uh, talking about, like, shitty superhero movies. <laughs> I think he did, like, Baby's Day Out or something before that, one of those movies. I'll go so. back and revisit it just out of deference to your opinion and uh, our obvious shared affinity for early aughts. <laughs> <laughs> underrated gems look i i mean i i think a lot of ben affleck kind of goes through a similar thing as nicholas cage because he gets raked over the coals for that that time period where nicholas cage is escalating into what he's going to become uh and daredevil gets a bad rap because i guess the press around him and j-lo during that time was whatever it was and also jersey girl which is a kevin Here's smith film that's actually not a bad movie. I went into that thinking, oh, Jesus Christ, this is going to be Yoga Hosers, it's going to be Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, or whatever he's put out now. And no, I thought that was a very heartwarming movie. Heartwarming, huh? Got it. <laughs> <laughs> is, it it's, because you, it's is it because you've watched so many heartless Kevin Smith movies recently <laughs> that... That one felt like it had something going for it. Look, I, I, I don't know. It's possible. I, I Look, I enjoyed it. I also like uh, George Carlin in that movie. They got a Will Smith cameo. That's nice. It's, there's a, there's something for everybody. What's the... I, I made the, mis- the mistake of, of buying it because at that time I was very into Kevin Smith. So I was like, I'm going to have to watch every movie this guy's made. And then I... I was what, like twenty one or something, and I started watching that, and I was like, "What? What happened? What is this shit? It just feels just a vehicle to sell this couple. That's great." They wasn't I, though. They, she got cast after the fact. That was supposed to be like, "I'm gonna be, I'm going back to being a serious director," because I guess he had gotten credit for uh, chasing Amy, right? Yeah. Which is, uh, I think, that's an interesting film, especially nowadays, uh, and certainly one of his better <laughs> ones. You don't like that one, yes. Huh? 
No, no, no. It, it, it's just I, I don't think you could make that movie now. Of course you could. You could so make that movie it, ten years ago. You that that movie is uh, in a league of its own, which I I think makes it brave and uh, just, <laughs> an, just an interesting piece of art. Brave in retrospect, like yes, yeah. <laughs> the real bravery this, is in watching it now. <laughs> the, <laughs> the director of Daredevil did uh, Simon Birch. Oh. the movie of the midget kid yes uh ghost rider one i love hold on when... Simon birch is great because he accident he gets the home run in the in the ball game that he's been clamoring for and then he kills his friend's mom because the baseball crashes into her head <laughs> that movie's <laughs> dark what a dark movie. yeah <laughs> first actually, dramatic he's... jim carrey role he's the narrator in that film uh you got a Kristen Bell, Josh Duhamel, who you're a big fan of, on uh, uh, When in Rome. Uh, wow. Then you got old Robert De Niro in Killing Season with John Travolta. Oh, oh, that was like an early one that went to Netflix. That was a that was terrible. That was like the first sign that John Travolta was not the same John Travolta from even like the '90s, where he was still pretty bad. And then he's got a uh, Finding Steve McQueen. Never heard of. So he just got uh, more start- and more obscure, is what you're saying. Well, his last movie was in 2020, which was Love Guaranteed. This is back to, I guess. Classic. Rom- yep, romantic comedies. Hey, what do you think about uh, this People magazine with John Stamos and his family? Isn't this an <laughs> unnatural looking photo? This looks horrifying. Am I doxing myself right now with this address? <laughs> you can't see it. You're good. But just so everyone can get a glimpse. Oof, oh my god, is that a fucking Joker smile? <laughs> I mean, I I know the answer, but what year is this cover from? It's so um, this insane. Is, uh, this is it's from recent. August. July. It's from it's this year. This, uh-uh. this child's terrifying me. <laughs> Why is he post like baby Jesus? Why is he the head to magazine? hand ratio yeah. is uh real disturbing there? Real terrifying stuff. What's um, what's the Affleck clawback? after like the daredevil you know the nadir of daredevil like what's his like you know joe you can sort of look at look to for cage as like you know he's trying to be a serious actor again what is it for affleck so affleck i remember during this time because i'm big on reality shows he did celebrity poker showdown that's how down on his luck he was he was on Bravo playing playing celebrity poker with like mt mad tv cast members um so i think it was it might have been Hollywoodland, where he plays uh, George Reeves, the the Superman actor, and then I, I believe he had Gone Baby Gone, his directorial effort oh, mm. after that, and that started to help him climb and get back to his um, his standing as a respectable Hollywood character. That makes sense. Gone, I, I remember Gone Baby Gone as being that point, really. I, I just watched that recently, and that's like a great film that shows like authentic Boston culture from that time, which is like all the trashy, slobby people from like <laughs> that's all my cousins, that's all my relatives. <laughs> um, I, but I, I feel like there's one particular movie where he has his uh, acting chops uh, really in line, and it helps r- like really boost him back. And it could be maybe that was the town because he also or Argo. Yeah. Well, Argo is what. I mean, I think it was The Town because The Town got, a, I believe, a Best Picture nomination, and he acted in that. I, he didn't get a he didn't get a Best Director nomination for that or for Argo, but he won Best Picture for Argo, and that's when it was really like, wow, Ben Affleck uh, has come back, and now, well, is he back? What is, where is Ben Affleck right now? What is he doing? He just seems kind of aloof. He's just going woman to woman, trying not to <laughs> play back- Batman. He's back with J-Lo. Right, yes, he's back he's with J-Lo. He's winning. Everybody knows. She, uh, that that seems good for him, I guess. I would have loved a solo Affleck Batman so much. I like I he's hilarious as Batman. I just give me a couple hours of that, I'm good. I love seeing him rough people up in Batman v Superman. That's some of my favorite just like on-screen Batman shit is him going nuts stabbing people in the heart shooting guns that's the best batman i love a batman that shoots a gun and shoots someone and uh, stabs someone in the heart that that fucking rules frank miller batman yeah um well uh, well, we got one more outing with him as batman for that flash movie before they give it back to michael keaton 
he did uh, Jay and Silent Bob. Oh, right. Yeah. So it comes back to Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah. The last thing he wanted. Don't know what that is. I don't know. We don't have to go down his filmography. Uh, I should actually, we, we got to wrap up the show right now. Cause I'm on again. And I, I might press for time this evening. Uh, but I feel like we look for the family man and the weatherman. I feel like we did those films justice. I feel like we maybe talked about them for 30 minutes of a, about an hour show, <laughs> which is what's, what's appropriate. Um, Frank, thank you so much for coming on the show. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll get another one of these going on somewhere. We have like more rich conversation. Oh yeah. Back from, from the there's gotta be something. We'll, we'll figure something out. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This is a ton of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, Hans, people know where to find you online. You're kind of low key on social media. So I don't know if you want to plug your, your handles at all or. Nah, just uh, I'll, any, any opportunity I get to do that stuff. I'll just plug popular front again, listen to popular front, subscribe to the movies, Patreon. Thank you. Yeah. Who am I? Nobody gives a shit. Check out, check out Jake Hanrahan. I get like, he needs the help at this point. <laughs> massive. <laughs> Uh, all right, <laughs> that that has been movies for this week. Thank you for listening. <laughs>